Yeah. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Glorious Pastors Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and how to properly file your taxes. My name is Michael Basinger. With me are uh, Matt Polly, hey. Brad Polly, hey. and together we are the Inglorious Pastors. Love that he totally ignored that. And we he's also gotten, have he's gotten good at it. We have a guest host, um, the Reverend Lucas Allen. Damn straight, the Reverend. <laughs> he's he's part of the Three Timers Club now. He is so, right. He's special. Yeah, he's he's back and he's. Um, he and political correspondent so your, Brandon Andrews. This is your uh, Return of the Jedi episode. <laughs> We, wow, got new, we got new we got new we got new sound effects on our phone if yeah. you can't tell. We're I'm I, we're gonna derail every seven seconds. Yeah. So Brad just figured out the Star Wars soundboard, so it's gonna be a long one, guys. Hang in there with us. <laughs> Announcements. Uh, if you're listening to this um, the night that it comes out or the morning of, if you'd like to be a part of our NCAA brackets, uh, go to our Twitter page. Um, and you can compete. We've got a little prize package. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hold fierce. On, I, got, I got the perfect one for Michael. <laughs> Are you brainless? Fuck you. <laughs> um, hi, Brian Zond. <laughs> um, so a prize package for the NCAA championship is uh, we got Fierce by Alice Connor. We've got Misfit Faith by Jason Stellman. And then also um, the movie by Andy Redwine. This it is, is called Recovered. Paradise Recovered. Yeah. Play that one again. This is madness. <laughs> yes, March Madness. So well done. If you if you listen that was to this Matt, actually. in the first twelve hours this episode's out, <laughs> go fill that out. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, Wait, I've got one that fits our relationship with Michael. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't like you either. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We need to do a full Star Wars episode. That's my. That's, that's not a terrible idea. That's actually. really not actually. We were talking to Andy. I don't know if this is on the episode, but we were talking about maybe doing a commentary of like a movie. Oh and just yeah, like, it was after. It was after. The it episode. was after. Yeah. And just like reading, like watching a movie uh, together. Fireproof, wasn't it? Yeah, we should do like fireproof or oh. some. And just yeah, just do it's an one audio. of my favorites. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, do an audio commentary where we Lucas just talk. break down the theological implications <laughs> of it. I wanted to deadpan it so you guys would be like, should we really have him on here? <laughs> we we know better. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, what are you guys drinking? Oh, uh, a plethora. We have a plethora of things tonight. <laughs> we're uh, we're all drinking multiples. So. Uh, Matt, what's the uh, what's this chocolate loneliness? Um, I've got the from Umble Gang Brewery in Cooperstown, Which, New York. Buy anything they make. Yes, um, not cheap. No. It's not cheap well, stuff. Okay, yeah. This Is it was, like that song, was a, Open Gangnam Style? Yep, that's it. That's exactly right. right. Yep. Does mm-hmm. it make you do the dance it's after from, you drink it? It's from Korea. Yeah. There's a reason we don't like you. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it, their stuff's not cheap. This was given to me by a friend. This and I've got two more bottles for the next two episodes. Um, it's called Chocolate Indulgence, a Belgian-style stout brewed with real Belgian chocolate. Yeah, I'd forgotten about this beer. I've had it years ago. <laughs> it's, it's freaking delicious. Good. Yeah, seven percent alcohol. It's a pint and nine ounces. So yeah, I'll be uh, good and shit. Yeah, like I said, this stuff so. is spendy, but it's they they definitely back it up with the quality. Mm-hmm. So, Lucas, what are you drinking? I've got a uh, <laughs> a tankard <laughs> <laughs> Mississippi mud, black and tan. Um, I don't know who makes this. I, it's probably some Walmart, really Walmart Mississippi Brewing Company. It's from oh, New right. York. 
that makes sense. Uh, but if you've never seen this, it is it's in like a, a jug, shine, yeah. like a yeah, moonshine jug. You can do the old hook it on your finger and. It's called a Tennessee dr- side sip, Lucas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now I know. The Tennessee side sip. Nice. How is it? Uh, it's a passable black and tan. It's mm-hmm. like if you took a, you know, couple cheap beers and poured them together. <laughs> <laughs> Two cheap beers together makes one really but cheap beer. The bottle, it makes it is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like you I'll said, you can that. yeah keep that around and use it for whatever. Pouring gas on a fire, blowing, like making music out of it. You can moonshine. blow into. Yeah. It. Well, I, when I got this, I thought I can just see Michael like playing a song just yeah. back in some. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly I what I thought. Spitting <laughs> your own beer. Yeah. Yep. You uh, uh, you could you live far enough out of city limits? You could make some moonshine, put it in that. Oh yeah, we could do that. We could start a whole thing. <laughs> do start a, a fire. Pastor's yeah, moonshine. <laughs> that shit would sell. I'm telling you right now. We yeah, could, we could make math out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? You really want to start a fire? <laughs> yeah, for real. You just need a trailer in Martinsville for that. Yeah, that's gonna true. Say. That's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you got, Brad? Uh, I'm drinking the chocolate stuff that Matt had, but also a Pilsner Urkel from Czech Republic. Stefan Urkel. Nope. Nope. It was Pilsner. Urkel. Pilsner. How, how do you pronounce that name? Stefan uh, Urkel. Stephen Urkel. Pilsner Urkel. Steve Urkel. At the top there. Uh, uh, Prozdroj. You get like one vowel for every you six do. consonants. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a it's Czech like Pilsner. Yeah. It, yeah, that's right. It's really nice. It's a it's a good beer. For, yeah. and it's not a terrible price. And Czech beers are really good if you can get your hands on them. So. Yeah. Check yourself before you before wreck yourself. Before you riggedy wreck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I am drinking... Uh, <laughs> 450 North Brewing Company's Dank Candy Lollipop Dream Double IPA. We had that too. I think everybody had that too. It looks yeah. like Scooby Doo uh, made a beer. And yeah, it does actually. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, the can. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it is very Scooby Doo. Mystery Machine. It's brewed in the back of the Mystery Machine. Yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, delicious. It's yeah. actually really good. It's not bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. It's, uh, yeah, good. Um, so this round is on Matt McGraw. Quick draw. Quick draw. McGraw. When you think Matt McGraw, I hope you think my favorite song. Taylor Swift. Uh, no, nobody does. Matt McGraw is a stay-at-home dad in Except you. Northern Carolina. <laughs> nope, he, nope, not in Carolina. No, Northern, Northern California. California. Yeah, yeah. Totally different part oh, of the country. Man, I can't really, read. really opposite side of yeah. the country. You missed that Northern one by California. 2,500 miles. And I didn't even say North Carolina. I said yeah, Northern. <laughs> it's the no- Good work. Uh, I live in no- Northern South Carolina. <laughs> I yes. like that you were wrong in two different ways. Yes, double, <laughs> double wrong. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's a special. Not only did you get the wrong state, you didn't even name a state. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. He has three kids, Holden, Tennessee, and Ethan. Love the name Tennessee. Yeah. So, I like Holden, and Tennessee. I like Ethan, too. Yeah. Tennessee. Tennessee. No, I don't think he named it after the band Arrested <laughs> Development. He might have. I had that album in middle school. Yes, you did. So good, man. I love it. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was. It you, was also, right. you also. You also. I, I will uh, say I haven't listened to it in years. You also owned us three in Vogue. Uh, so that song Cantaloupe rules. Yeah. Shut your face. That's fine. People give me shit I, for music. Uh, no, honest to God. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, I'm a poly. No, this was in junior high. You still listen to shit like that? Yeah, I was in junior high. I don't listen to shit like that. In my defense, I was in junior high. And I really, honest to God, I don't think I listened to any song other, other than, than Cantaloupe. Yeah. I don't. I could. I don't. I honestly don't think I ever. Yeah. I would just put it in, go to that song. I, I apparently sh- hadn't learned about singles. I owned a was it John Michael Montgomery album? Yeah, we both went through a brief Ooh, country yeah. phase. Clint, we had Clint Black. I had an Alan rock. Jackson oh, yeah. album at some point. Wow. Al, I, I was big into uh, Pure Country by George Strait. Yeah. God. Wow. Those are the days. 
But once again, Shout unlike Michael, we're not still listening to that. I'm not listening to that. <laughs> I never listen to that shit. Except for... Uh, Five Iron Frenzy. Who was it? Um, Colin, Colin Ray? Is that a guy? Uh, sure. Sure. Sounds, he had some good songs. Sounds like a country name. I don't know. Um, <laughs> back, back to Matt McGraw. Uh, he attended culinary school and seminary. Oh, not, really? Not at the same time. I was going to say, wait a second. <laughs> and culinary school seminary. in seminary? And seminary. Okay. Um, and received degrees from neither one. So... <laughs> There we nice. go. His greatest accomplishment in the last five years. So he's equal to us who do have degrees from a Bible. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> a faith tur- Bible turns college. out he's got the same poll that we do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, his greatest accomplishment in the last five years is potty training two children. Oh, dude, for real. Yeah, Bless your heart, man. Yeah, that sucks. That is, uh, yeah. Uh, that should, you should get a diploma for that shit. He is like, period. He has started and abandoned two podcasts and is currently trying to make it three. <laughs> uh, if you're interested it's in like me with churches yeah. <laughs> yes. i tried to start two and failed yeah. so yeah. i'm i'm hoping the third time's the charm yeah there's it, not going to be a third time this is it this is the end of the <laughs> this is it yeah uh if you're interested in listening to his podcast it's you can check out amateurtheology.com um the highlight of his year attending <laughs> was attending bitches. southern california <laughs> linux expo yeah in Pasadena, where he geeks out about he Linux did that. and open source software. I think it was like, like a week, week and a half ago or something. Um, he is working the booth for NextCloud, NextCloud Project, nextcloud.com. I'm not sure. It's uh, some sort of open source software. Oh. Um, I, honest to God, I don't know what that even means. I, I, I know nothing about... I'm, I, open source basically means you. it's open to... Really, anybody can improve it. upon and edit it, huh. make it better. I think Firefox is an open source browser. I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Neat. He enjoys cooking, watching movies, playing with his kids, writing about himself in the third person. <laughs> uh, you can find him on Twitter at S A H Geek Dad, and Geek is spelled with two threes. Yes, That's when yes. you know you're a real geek. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Use numbers instead of letters. His Twitter's so. all just like in binary. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Matt McGraw. Thank you. We thanks, love man. you, Long Tim. Long Tim. Long Tim? Yeah. Who's Long Tim, buddy? <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's a guy. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to buy us around... Uh, that, was, that was my nickname in high school. No, it wasn't. <laughs> sure. <laughs> If you'd like to buy us around, go to patreon.com slash pastorspodcast. Um, that will get you in the pub. It's a closed Facebook group where we talk about life, spirituality, terrible memes, and just about everything else. Yeah. So things discussed in the pub this By week. By the way, the meme thread, I downloaded like at yeah, least man. 15 of those, I'm pretty sure, that to was, use. We for, need to do that more often. Yeah. That was good stuff. Fuel for the, for the yep. future. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things discussed in the pub this week, country music. Um, Wait, did we? Did we? Yeah. I kind of missed out on that one, I think. You guys were not awake. Or I was working. Or that. Or the other. <laughs> it's always funny to wake up. Like, like I go to bed around you know, 10, 1030. I'll wake up and I'll have 24. Well, and they're all from like California people. Like they all yeah, I know. Like, yeah. like that time difference. Like I'll get off work and start posting stuff at like 7 or 730 yeah. and I'm in bed. Um, we also talked about dudes realizing they have latent sexist tendencies. Um, How did I miss that too? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff in the pub. There's a lot of shit going on in the pub. There is. I can't keep up with it. Talked about science textbooks uh, made by Christians claiming that electricity is a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) That is a real thing. Bob Jones University. Oh, well, there Uh, you go. There you go. 
they was like we don't know how electricity works. It's a Fun mystery. Fact, my no type, one really my, knows. My typing teacher, my keyboarding teacher in high school, was named Bob Jones. Oh, Different Bob. That's Jones. right. He was a coach too. Wasn't he? Hi, he was Bob. a baseball coach. That's right. Yeah, Hi, Coach Jones. <laughs> Bob Jones makes it look like we went to an academic yes. institution. Yes, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> with our right. one semester science <laughs> yeah. class. Yeah, <laughs> I clep- I clepped out of that. So I, I dissected yeah. a fetal pig. I'm good. Um, we also talked about <laughs> relativism, and then there was a ladies' night in the pub. Yeah, yeah. So the ladies went out and party in Bloomington. By my wife. Yeah. This is ladies' yep. night. <laughs> oh what a, oh what a night. Shaka <laughs> Alright, let's go into the news feed. Lock up your fears, dry all your tears, refill your fears. We're headed into the news feed. Man, I was listening to that today in my car. <laughs> yeah, jam. dude, in the car. And you can hear like the, the <laughs> guitars can. a lot better yeah, in can. the car. If you've got a good bass system, that song rules. Yeah, it dude, does. It's awesome. Yeah. So good. Thank um, you, Andy Moore. <laughs> Thank you. My I'm songs. We appreciate your musical talent. My songs are the greatest. Come so listen great. to my songs. <laughs> no one from it. Anybody outside Indiana doesn't get it. Um, okay, so anybody outside of like Indianapolis, well, that's true. Get that. As as part of our GoFundMe, we had a while back. Um, we had people that select uh, newsfeed items for us. This week is for the money. Bo- we are podcast yes. whores. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> what's the up. realm? How do you of, think like, I got on here? Yes. <laughs> What are you doing what over there? What are you, uh, what you doing there, buddy? Freaking the autoplay videos, man. Yeah, any They're site that has autoplay videos <laughs> needs to die in a fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Baloo's, Christopher and uh, Amanda. A Baloo have... is a bear. <laughs> is it? Anybody, right they they anybody it? remember the high step yeah, test man. in high school? Or in, a tripod is a three legged table or yeah. something? Yeah. A yonker is a young, young man. Yeah. A yonker? Yeah. Yonker. But a, a Baloo is a bear. So every time I see their name. I, I like a blue as a bear. So maybe goes through, I can't help it. What if it. he goes becomes the same spelling? If he becomes who specializes yes. in bear treatment, do that. Do that. Yes, Please, Christopher. Yes. yes. My God, it's we support that. Bear 100%. necessities. I feel like he's. I feel like he's not going to have a lot of business in Iowa though. For that, I don't that, know. That's, no, man. That's his. That's he his. Can move his, to Indiana with like the one bear that's there, been there's one here. black bear up by Michigan City. Yeah, that's his. His name's Tony. Yeah, he just hangs out in the pub, like in the tavern. Hi, guys. God, I remember when there were more of me around. Just drinking a beer. I'm glad they're all dead. <laughs> Especially Gina, that bitch. You guys got any, you guys got any honey lager? <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm over here on my phone looking at pictures of polar bears. <laughs> this one's molting. It's pretty hot. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway. They got, they got dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, th- they have each uh, chosen a newsfeed item. So um, anyway, now I'm uh, thinking of Super Troopers. <laughs> hey, bear! No, no, no! <laughs> Don't finish it. Everybody knows it. Huge crowds clamor to touch a giant seven foot penis uh, during <laughs> Japanese fertility ceremony. Well, I'm glad I didn't, I'm, I'm glad I didn't finish that thought. <laughs> Me too. And uh, I, just so you know, my, uh, my trip to Japan was awesome. <laughs> uh, thousands of people flocked to a city in. Thank you. It's good. Japanese. <laughs> it's a wonderful country. I was. It was nice being revered. Did you guys know that that Japan has several penis celebrations? <laughs> Same. 
The, it's a custom that is believed to bring fertility, good luck, and marital success. Oh. Um, penis festivals have been part of Japan <laughs> since the 17th century. Oh, boy. Um, thousands of people have uh, flocked to, to, Jap- to the Japanese city of Nagaoka mm-hmm. yesterday. That's exactly how you say that. First time ever. But they've got all kinds of different um, things, like... Uh, I don't know if that's a nose. Is that is that a nose? <laughs> Penis nose. That's the best I can make. Looks of like it. a dick nose. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it looks that's like a, a dick nose. Yep. That looks Except like that kind of looks like <laughs> looks that like might boobs. it might yeah. It's like um I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> well, it'll be on the new. It'll be on the uh, on our feed. <laughs> so yeah. just stay, look it stay up. tuned for that. And then also, the side will get there's <laughs> a giant seven foot. Uh, um, yep. There's two. Boy, yep. they, they are riding it. it. <laughs> like okay, well. well, well <laughs> Neat. <laughs> there's a double entendre if I ever heard one. Um, I'm really not sure there's a way to escape double entendres on this one. It <laughs> kind of looks like a cannon. It does look like a cannon. Yeah, it's like a giant wooden cannon. Michael, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> That's um, actually what circumcised cannons look like. <laughs> um, <laughs> are you sure? How do you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yep, I don't even know. You got nothing. Yeah, mm. I just found our hashtag for the night. By by the way, <laughs> don't don't say it. Oh, um, um, they also have some 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 food. It looks like octopus. Probably octop- octopi. And yeah, they're definitely shaped. Have you guys seen the food from Japan? The octopus where it's dead, but it's sitting on top of like vegetables and they pour soy sauce on it and the tentacles start freaking yeah. out because it's like a neural reaction even though they're dead. Nope. Yeah, not nope. not a nope. chance nope. in nope. hell. Here's a hat. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks like the guy from... Um, it's literally the helmet. It is. <laughs> it's the helmet, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Just a... Just a... Lord <laughs> helmet. It's, yeah. I'm going to wear that to the men's... Lone Star! <laughs> Spaceballs. <laughs> yes. It looks like the helmet from Spaceballs. I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> that was Christopher's, by the way. Nicely done. Um, Amanda. Um, I love how dirty these are that people send yeah. to us. I love it. We actually, I, they actually sent me one and I turned it down because it was so dirty. We're going to get into that here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to read it anyway. Yes, we, we are because I was like. Man, I feel bad because I told him we shouldn't do this. And Matt's like, well, that's mine. That was my news feed piece. (laughs) So, good news. We're actually going to do it. Um, uh, Amanda sent me one. um, Said they found Tinder Jesus, and he's not the player he's he's made out to be. So, this guy on on Tinder, (laughs) he looks like Jesus. Um, Swipe right or burn in hell. (laughs) He's known as Tinder Jesus, and he he has a message he wants to... uh, Deliver the world. He's no prayer playa. Um, mm. He's gone out with five women since joining Tinder about a month ago, and they expected all named Mary him to be a player, but he's not. Um, he is casting nothing, a wide really? net, though. <laughs> well done. Yeah. No, um, nothing for Mary, really. What, what about what? Mary? I said they're all named Mary. Nobody said anything. Really? It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, three out of ten. Wouldn't I made wouldn't sure recommend. that my like little nose laugh was in the microphone. So. <laughs> You'll hear it on playback. There is a picture of him <laughs> with a water bottle pouring it into a wine glass, and the wine is red. And he's also got some Swedish fish, which are pretty awesome. <laughs> That's nice. pretty awesome. That yeah. picture alone makes the whole thing. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so on Tinder Jesus, swipe right, swipe left. Nope, swipe right or burn. <laughs> You're going down. I don't know which way is which. Swipe. I think right. I've never been on Tinder. I know. I'm married, <laughs> so I really don't know. So, I think swipe right's the good one because there's a run the jewel song that said he's the living sw- he's the living swipe right or something <laughs> like that. I'm like, I, I think that's a good thing. I'm really up on my street lingo. Um, so it, it did go. That's by. what we call Michael. What do you call me? The living swipe right. <laughs> living swipe right. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I always swipe right. I don't know. Is that the good or the bad? I think I don't it's remember. the good, but okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so it went viral, um, and people actually like took screenshots of their conversation with Tinder Jesus. <laughs> Tinder, Tinder Jesus says, damn girl, you look just like water, except I turned you into fine. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, like we're pretty sacrilegious, but I'm not even sure I would go there. <laughs> the conversation went on. She said, "Didn't you walk on water?" And he said, "Of course I do." Didn't you see that in the pictures? She said, "I sure did." He said, "So is this seat saved? Are you?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, this seat isn't. She says, and then he says, uh, "Sounds like you could use a little bit of Jesus in you." Oh, and boy! Well, all right, well. That'll do it for yeah. that newsfeed item. Moving like on. To welcome can, all the Brian Zahn fans. What, to can I, what can I say? I put the stud in Bible study. <laughs> Good God. Wow. It goes on, but I feel like the, the one article. I'm about to read is actually somehow less bad than what he just read. I feel like what I'm about to read is less bad than what he had. Uh, this was this actually sort of came from the pub. Somebody was like, this has to be a newsfeed or you're dead to me. Yeah. Uh, Texas butthole tickling bandit has finally been caught. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Randy, is that you? I mean, it's, yeah. (laughs) So this guy uh, broke into over a dozen homes and tickled dudes' buttholes. (laughs) With what? Uh, I would assume a finger, but I don't know. Does it really go into (laughs) feather duster? (laughs) (laughs) How do you, how do you, how does one I, get access in such an intimate setting? Is he just like... I don't know. And tickle, well, tickle, I'm thinking tickle. it wasn't done nicely. Yeah. Uh, so he managed to elude capture for three weeks. What? Three weeks. Wow. This is my favorite. This is my favorite part of the story. Police originally thought their suspect was homeless. However, when they picked their man up, he was actually wearing $4,500 worth of Yeezus clothing. <laughs> That's Kanye stuff. It is. Uh, I didn't even know which Kanye I know, which had clothing. Which, in fairness, for $4,500, that was probably a T-shirt and a pair of yeah. socks. Yeah, it was a white T-shirt. <laughs> gold. <laughs> platinum gold T-shirt. So they caught him brown-handed. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> and you guys mocked me for my Mary joke, really. <laughs> I got another one, though. I got one more. You know? Okay. Yeah. I do. Uh, this has been going around, and most people have probably seen this, but Herpes. I just felt like it needed to be said. Because this is one, when I read the headline, I was like... Oh, what a bunch of bullshit. And then I read I an article, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, I know what this is. Yeah. Uh, Texas men would face fine for masturbating, need rectal exam for Viagra <laughs> under proposed law in Texas. We're just going to go full, like, sexy, sexy yeah. time, aren't we? Yeah, pretty much. So Jeez. state rep Jessica Ferrar proposed this. Ferrari. It's Nope. Ferrari. Nope, that wasn't mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Raquel Ferrari. So basically, she's proposing... <laughs> She's proposing that men, if she gets her weight, men in Texas will pay a hundred dollar fine for cranking their hog. Wait, 
basically. <laughs> um, yeah. I knew it was coming. It's so funny. <laughs> yep. It's, it's the best euphemism ever. <laughs> Hi, Brian Zahn fans. Once again. Welcome to our podcast. We're always like this. So... A magical, magical experience. Uh, so basically, it's a satirical version of a Texas law that was passed in 2011. It requires women to have a sonogram and hear a detailed description of the fetus before getting an abortion. Um, so it's basically, she's basically like, if you're going to be passing laws about our our bodies, then we're going to do the same, is essentially... It's a troll job. It's a troll job, and I kind of... Fair enough. I'm here for it. I think it's genius. Like I said, that was one of those when I read the... Uh, <clears throat> Everyone's forced to wear an icon. Nice callback. Nice callback. That is a callback. Good job. Now we know. Yeah. So we have a lot of listeners. Like a chastity Texas. belt. Let, get that cranking in now because uh, you'll be fine for it later on. She's going to put a cock ring chastity belt on everybody. <laughs> Somehow he makes everything worse. <laughs> he does. <laughs> <sighs> I guess the I guess the question is how fast would everybody be bankrupt? <laughs> Texas has the best roads in schools ever. About <laughs> the roads are paved with literal gold. Everyone's living in a shack though. <laughs> That's right. Oh. oh my gosh. Oh man. Um I don't even know where did did you go? No. No. Uh, go go. I Okay, minor minor interrelated. All right, so this this is uh, Amanda sent sent us one of them. Which one? The first one, or the second one. The first one. Okay, and then I said no, we can't use that because it's too dirty. Because Brian, I'm not going to go into great show. detail, great deal detail, because the second one connects with it, and you'll understand why. Uh, now you can give, <laughs> sex joke. Now you can give oral sex long distance by licking your phone. Yeah, this is so, weird. Yeah, this is yeah, weird. So, yes, man, I heard this on the radio this week. This is bizarre. It's called Ocast. <laughs> Because of course it is. Basically, your, oh, your partner can you see? <laughs> your partner wears a vibrator. Okay, it's connect, we get it. It's connected via Bluetooth. Yeah, it, you get it's the, okay. not hard to figure okay. out how this works. Okay, good. <laughs> right. Just so we're all clear. It's like a um, shock collar. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Got a couple little nodes on it. <laughs> shock the bejesus out of you. Okay, so the second one was related to that for a reason. I went looking for it. I, this is actually a news feed I found. It's something I went looking for because I knew it was true. Um, your smartphone is one of the dirtiest oh, things I that you own. It's yeah. literally, oh, literally a toilet. It's literally covered in fecal matter. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like licking your phone is basically yeah. licking feces. Yeah. Um, like you're like I found there's a don't, study. Don't. I'm what, don't. what are you looking at me like <laughs> okay. that for? I'm not doing anything. You had that look on your face like you were about no. to make a really terrible. There was a study done by the um, recent study conducted for the Wall Street Journal, um, tested for various bacteria. Uh, while the phone showed no sign of E. coli or Staphylococci bacteria, the the research did discover. Are that we just going to let that slide? Yeah. <laughs> okay. The just research sure. it made me think of a Futurama joke. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, the research did discover that every single one of the smartphones examined showed abnormally high numbers of col- coliforms, a bacteria indicating fecal contamination. 
To put abnormally high into perspective, the limit of coliform in drinking water is one unit of bacteria per 100 milliliters of water. One of the smartphones tested held counts somewhere between 2,700 and 4,200 units. Yeah. It's a lot of poop. Your phone is basically covered in poop. Yeah. So I mean, everything is, honestly. Yeah. I mean, really. Like, yeah, it is. But like, so like you take your phone, like everybody takes their smartphone into the crapper with them. Right. Like when you, I, don't I guess, think it would matter. Like, I don't well, think it probably really, would, but that's it's really bad because when you flush, yeah. like it sprays. Okay. All right, well, yeah. What Six, is the spray? Um, <laughs> it's called the aerosol effect. Yes, Michael, it is. Michael's exactly. not on board. Yeah, it's the aerosol effect. So, before you go buying oral sex apps and vibrators, you might want to rethink licking your I phone. I can think of that. a number of compelling reasons besides <laughs> your phone being covered in <laughs> shit. There is but, that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what's to stop you from just? Never mind. They just stop. Anyway, we'll leave. We'll let it go. So, did you just, anybody else remember when you said streptococcal or whatever? Yeah. The Futurama episode where Zoidberg is giving a speech. And he's like, "Greetings, ladies and germs," and everybody's like, "You're a rim shot." And everybody's like, "Ha ha!" He's like, "What?" I was talking to Professor Streptococcus. <laughs> there's like a germ sitting there, and he just goes, <laughs> "Anyway, it's one of my favorite Futurama jokes." <laughs> uh. Lucas, what do you got, buddy? Well, I, you know, I hate to break the string. <laughs> are, are you bringing a non-sex? I am, and mine's newsfeed. Yeah, well, go ahead and skip it. Mine's not even that funny. <laughs> I just uh, found this article yesterday that I don't know. I thought it was good. So this woman had her wind chime stolen. Did you guys? No. See? Okay. Um, it's in Lakewood, Washington. Christina. Um, Hi, Christina. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> We're going to go to Christina in Lakewood. <laughs> Christina had her wind chimes stolen, and uh, before she could really do much to look for it, she found a note, and this is the part that, because otherwise that would just be another day in Lakewood, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> and the note read... Check yes or no. There was a $5 bill, and the note said, I'm sorry that we stole your wind chimes. Our mom died and liked butterflies, so my sister took it and put it by our window. I'm sorry, this is huh. only money I have. Please do not be mad, Jake. And I read that, and I was like, holy shit. I was hoping it was going to be funny. But, then, <laughs> <laughs> but it was so, so. I mean, you know, and the story goes on, and um, she found the boy and everything, and so she's getting him a wind chime so they can have their own and remember their own. It's really sweet, but it's one of those things when you're reading, and you just, like, read one sentence, right. yeah. and you're sitting there on the crapper. <laughs> Phone like, covered in feces. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> phone covered. Just in licking it. You're not sure why. <laughs> so, um, he swipes anyway. right with his tongue. <laughs> <laughs> they said to, to vote it up, so I licked the little plus button or something. <laughs> but anyway, I I just spit up here. I uh, mm. so I haven't been. I've been in the pub some and barely on Facebook. I deleted all my social media apps for. Lent, uh, so I'm not necessarily off, but I, that means I look like once a day. Um, so instead, I got on the Good News Network to look mm -hmm. for stuff on your recommendation. Yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's and about the only thing on Facebook that doesn't make me want to actively kill myself. Yeah, so that was a good story. And you know, have you guys ever stolen anything? That's what I wondered. Yep, oh, stole a pack man. of gum when I was in middle school from a gas station because my friend dared me to. I worked in the. Do you remember they had a can? What was it? The at the high school, they had you could buy like notebooks oh, and pencils yeah. and candy during lunch or something. Yeah, well, like yeah, a shop, like a some kind of shop. I worked in there for some reason. And you I did? Oh yeah, nerd alert! 
<laughs> but I imagine why he got his ass kicked all the time. But I stole. St- I think it was during wrestling because I was hungry all the time, so I would <laughs> swipe like a Reese's cup or a Tootsie Roll or something. And like that's that. why he was constantly over yeah, overweight. There, there was that. <laughs> uh, I've just stolen a few hearts. That's yeah. it. No, you literally haven't. Ever. I'm still waiting to get mine back. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had the classic stole and a bu- candy bar when I was like five, and my mom made me like walk back into the store. I never did that. I feel like I've stolen yeah, stuff, like said, but I can't I, remember what. So maybe it. I've just stolen so many things that nothing really <laughs> sticks out. No, it all just runs together. <laughs> such, a, such a klepto, it just all blends. <laughs> I mean, I if somebody's not going to use something, I don't think that's stealing. You know? Yeah, it's called. They're just going to throw it away anyway. Upcycling. You guys aren't using it. That's why I steal condoms from Michael's house. <laughs> used. Oh, oh my God. God. He rolls him back. <laughs> Jeez. You are the worst person I, ever. I ran it through the dishwasher. It's fine. <laughs> it's totally cool, man. That's the one I used for. Never no. Mind. Stop. Stop now. <laughs> Moving on. I was going to name my child. Sorry to break the string there with the. No, it's probably better that you did. Yeah, that was actually thank a good you. Story. Or cleanse yeah. the palate. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so I've got two, only two this week, so I'm bringing it down. Uh, the first one is, um, this is in Kentucky, of, of course. No, wait, it's South Carolina. <laughs> God. God. Lexington. No, no, no. We're Lexington not going to no, 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 shut up. Lexing, gonna, Lexington County. Let's go you back. See where How get the hell do you mix up Kentucky and South Carolina? Lexington County. Lexington okay, schools. I can, I can see maybe... Yeah. With his reading abilities, he has. <laughs> so. To be honest, I haven't fully read this article. <laughs> did um, you use GPS to get here tonight? Uh, no, I did not. But you I got, did, you got an A in but I did pass the, after a I year. did pass the, ter- pass the turn. <laughs> I swear. I ended up down by Walmart. Did you really? I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> Clearly. Like, Jesus. Mike, it turned around in Chili's parking lot. <laughs> How many times have you been to my house? If I, you know, like at least five at least 50, what's 56? Yeah, probably like 100 yeah. times at least. No, you've been here more than that. We had a yeah. fucking house church here every week. I don't know. I slept since then. I just wasn't really paying attention. He was living in the moment. I was, I was calling, being here now. calling my brother at the time. It's weird. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, this happened in South Carolina in Lexington County. Um, they At a school, they had a substitute teacher, and she vomited during class. I saw this. Uh, the police show up, and she has got a box of wine in her purse. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go ahead and defend her. When I was in youth industry, I thought it would be a good idea to do substitute teaching. Yeah. Never fucking do that. Yeah. Never, never. There is not anything that is worth the $75 or whatever you get paid to put up with that crap. It is a nightmare. Yeah. So, and then the real teachers judge you. Yes. That's yeah. what I got. Because yeah. the kids liked me, so yes, the other teachers hated me. Of yeah. course. Oh, my. It's the worst. Mm. Yeah. That's, so I, I, I totally would. I defend her on this. Do you remember really, You remember our friend Brett when he substitute taught in Chicago? He did. Do you remember the, the emails he would send out yes. about that? I think I've got this somewhere still. I'm pretty sure I printed those out because they were comedy gold. Uh, substitute teachings at disaster. In Chicago, Chicago public school systems, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, man. I had to watch like the same science video like six times in one day. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. Hard pass. Yeah. Um, my it's, next it's one. 50 bucks. It's really worth <laughs> yeah, it. Know, really. My next one is in audio newsfeed. So I'm doing Atheism for Lent with Peter Rollins. Mm-hmm. I mean, not we're not hand in hand doing it, but. <laughs> it's um, a Starbucks. It comes over with a bottle of gin. <laughs> it's, it's just uh, an app that you lick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. 
Thank um, you. Don't lick Pete Rollins. Um, so <laughs> we're doing atheism for Lent, and um, my wife and I are doing it. Lucas is still laughing, by the way. <laughs> and several people in the pub are doing it as well. So I, I've, I'm, in my actual newsfeed, I have a lot of like atheism type things. Uh, one is, so my wife has been trying to get me to listen to this band. Uh, they're called uh, Quiet Company. I'm going to start playing it. I've heard oh, I've heard I've got yeah. two their three so, albums. Quiet Company, um, this is the album We Are All Where We Belong. I found them years ago somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Me. Was it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'd never actually heard them before. Is it like a 10-minute intro? Or? No. Right. Here we go. Nietzsche is great. <laughs> God is dead. Hey. We filled a book with what Jesus said So we could all disagree on what he meant to say So it's got a little bit of uh, like an Aqualung type vibe and I was Yeah, like, Aqualung! <laughs> oh my gosh Anyway, so I, like, I recognized the guy's voice and I could not Did figure Jeff it out Did fans in the house? <laughs> my flute out now Oh my break that shit out of Red Door, man. So I do a flute solo. <laughs> so I recognize the, the the guy's voice, and I cannot place it. So I like get on Google. Uh, he was in a band called The Connotations, but before that, he was in the band Isley. Oh, uh, I know Isley. Most Isley. Yes, the well, the space they board? were formerly called Most Isley. Play that same song. And then he was in a band called The Lonely Hearts. Which um, my brother was was friends with the guys in Lonely Hearts. Oh, anyway, so I called my brother and I'm like, "Have you heard this band?" He's like, "Oh yeah, they slept in my in my house one night." So <laughs> of course they do. As they do. As you they know, do. Like... So, yep. So quiet company. Check no, it out. No, they're actually pretty good. Yeah, I like them. Yeah, and it's a good like it's I I would like similar to like David Bazan in terms of like it's a good soundtrack for like deconstruction. Speaking of David Bazan, buy his new album now. Yes. Care. Oh, dude. Holy it's crap. Really yeah. nice. Yep. So that's that's it. Quiet company. Uh, we are all where we belong. So cool. Yeah. Uh, you guys got anything else before we get? Nope. No, man. I think we're good. Into the into the fufi. We got Brian Zond. Yeah. Further up, further in. Brian Zond. This uh, is a good one, kids. Yeah. yeah. He is the founder and lead pastor of Word of Life Church, a non-denominational Christian congregation of in Saint Joseph, Missouri. Brian and his wife, Perry, founded the church in 1981. Brian is the author of several books, including Water to Wine. Buy them all. A Farewell to Mars. <laughs> buy that one especially. Beauty Will Save the World and Unconditional. Um, it is Unconditional is the call of Jesus to radical forgiveness. Hmm. Check out his website, brianzon.com. You can find him on Twitter at brianzon. He on- is one of the best follows. Yeah, the dude, he's killing it right yes. now. Yes. Uh, and I would also add to that uh, Word of Life Church podcast. You can download his sermons. I mean, you're talking 25 to 30 minutes, and they are just... And he does two sermons dude, a week. Dude is totally yeah. dialed in. They're gold. So, He's a full-time pastor yeah. and part-time <clears throat> author. Yeah. And it's just how he gets that much information. Yep, totally dialed yeah. in. You're going to love it. Um, huge thanks to Matt Seymour for editing yes. the interview for us. So, Thank you, Matt. Matt Seymour... You are the wind beneath our wings. With that, <laughs> let's go into further up, further in. This is Lucas Allen singing. We should have him do it live. <laughs> we'll do it live <laughs> in studio. <laughs> we'll do the backup parts. 
We should have practiced this. We should have. Yeah, we we'll be back it. in a minute. All right. Here we go. Further up and Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Brian Zond. <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for inviting me. We're, gr- we're super pumped to have you. Um, big fans, big fans for sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. I actually just finished Watered Wine a couple weeks ago, actually, um, and was blown away by how um, similar to my story that your story is. And I think actually all of us have kind of been that, down that same road. Can you talk a little bit about your story? Just give us sort of a synopsis without spoiling that whole book <laughs> for everybody. Well, I not spoil the whole book anyway because it would take 17 hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my story is basically this. I'm 57 years old, so we'll get that out of the way, so that'll give you some time reference. I I had a dramatic encounter with Jesus when I was 15 years old. And overnight, I went from being the high school Led Zeppelin freak to being the high school Jesus freak. And it, it was dramatic. It was unexpected. I remember my friends, you know, months after this had happened, would come up to me and they'd say, Fry. That was my nickname. Nobody called me Pastor Brian back then. (laughs) I was Fry. They said, Fry, I can't believe what's happened to you. And I'd say, man, I can't believe it either. But it it had happened. And by the time I was 17, I was leading this ministry called the Catacombs. I don't know how many of our listeners will know about the Jesus movement of the 70s, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's my roots. That's where I come from. Okay. I was leading this ministry that then by the time I was 22 turned into our church, Word of Life Church. So I tell people, look, I've been a pastor longer than I've been an adult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's true. And I don't recommend that necessarily. <laughs> and so I, I encountered Jesus through the, through the Jesus movement and was just swept up in this thing. And I never really made a decision to be a pastor I mean, people say, well, tell us about your call to the ministry. I said, it was all part and parcel with my dramatic encounter with Jesus. I just was swept away in this thing. And it's all I've done with my adult life. Uh, but the Jesus movement kind of funneled us into the charismatic movement, charismatic renewal, which was good until it wasn't. But it was as long, until they got really, you know, infected with prosperity gospel and a lot of goofiness, there was a lot of vibrancy there. But then the charismatic renewal started funneling us into things like, you know, the religious right. And by the time I was 45, that would be 2004, I, I just woke up and I thought, how did I get here? This isn't what I want. It's like I got on the wrong bus somewhere. And I found myself deeply disenchanted with the Christianity that I knew, not with Jesus. My frustration was that I was just finally convinced that the Jesus that I had been captured by as a teenager deserved a better Christianity than what I knew. And this put me on this desperate search that resulted that, – well, I started off fasting, which, you know, it sounds really, I don't know, heroic or something, but – I, I simply did it out of desperation, mm-hmm. and I, I began the first three weeks, 22 days of 2004, just praying, fasting, preaching at the appointed times, sleeping at night, and that's all I did hmm. over three weeks. And that seemed to break through into something new, and through a series of events, uh, 
things happened. Books started coming into my life. I'd always kind of been a reader. I'd been a curious intellect. But, you know, over time, my, my world, the bubble I was in, got so small that I'd stopped reading any of that kind of Christian material because I already knew what, what it was. And yeah. I wasn't fascinated by it anymore. So I was at this point, I was reading a lot of classic literature uh, and philosophy and a little bit of church fathers just trying to get back to the roots. But with this kind of this breakthrough in 2004 – I began to find Dallas Willard and N.T. Wright and mm-hmm. Walter Miroslav Volf and Eugene Peterson and David Bentley Hart and Stanley Hirewas and on it goes. As I look back on that, I'm somewhat amazed. For about two, three years, I read voluminously. I would typically read almost every night from about 6 p.m. to midnight. Wow, man. <laughs> and And never like I was forced to do it. It was – as if I had struck gold and just couldn't pull it out of the ground fast enough. And I kept thinking, where have you been all my life? <laughs> it, of course, that transformed me. And that in, in changing me, it changed my preaching. In changing my preaching, well, then the church had to reevaluate uh, what they thought I was up to. Right. And this was a... a- it's worth mentioning, you're, you, were, you are, were then and are now the pastor of a mega church. More mega than it is now. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I think is so interesting um, about, that's not the only thing I find interesting about your story, but we're all former pastors. Uh, actually, Lucas is still a pastor. That's right. We've led, tried to lead churches through changes um, to varying degrees of success, but never to that level because mega churches generally don't change. Uh, you know, looking back on it, I guess I did have a stunning naivete uh-huh. that I thought I could do this. I guess maybe I did. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, yes, our church changed, but at the cost of losing more than a thousand people. Whew. You know, somebody could say, "Well, you know, he's a mega church pastor. What does he care?" Trust me, I care. And these are people that a lot of them I have done life with. Right, sure. Um, and I'm in a relatively small city. St. Joseph has a an official population of 72,000. There might be 100,000 around here, might not. Well, if you lose 1,000 people in this community, what does that mean? It means if I go to the grocery store, I see them. Oh, right, <laughs> right, right. And, and all of the pain and discomfort that that brings. Uh, so I had to endure that. Right. Um, now, the one thing I had going for me, and I think – you know, I assume a lot of pastors probably like to listen to this podcast, is I did have the advantage of being the founding pastor mm-hmm. of a non-denominational church, which, by the way, I'm not big on being non-denominational. That's just my story. It's how it happened. Sure, I don't sure. necessarily recommend it, but it's what happened. Right. The one thing I had was I didn't have a board or a bishop that was going to fire me. Now, I could be left, and I was. And, you know, at some point I began to wonder, am I just going to be left holding the whole bag here by myself? <laughs> that was very painful. I would say I'm mostly beyond that painful time now. Uh, we've, we've, been, we've weathered that storm, but it was long and it was bitter. But it was the strange thing. Uh, and I said we. I'm not using the royal we. I'm talking about my wife and I mainly. Yeah. Who, who was right there on the journey with me, at, you know, step by step, which was one of the real great saving graces that, that, you know, we were doing this together. And so we had this experience of simultaneously 
going through very bitter, painful moments of being rejected and left and vilified and all of that, and at the same time discovering this rich, vibrant Christianity that we had always longed for. And so it was this tension of being more excited about being a Christian than we'd ever been in all of our lives and simultaneously enduring an awful lot of pain. Yeah. In Water to Wine, you mentioned that you're probably the only pastor to host Jesse Duplantis and Walter Brueggemann in the same yes. church, um, <laughs> which is which is hilarious. You couldn't get probably too farther apart yeah. than those two. Well, I just appreciate anybody that knows who they both are. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. right. Yeah. Yes. There aren't even that many people who can say, oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about with both of them. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, during and after this this transition, I mean, I guess technically you're, you're never out of a transition, but during the sort of the beginning and middle phases of this, you know, looking back on that, do you ever have a sense of like regret or guilt about where you were spiritually and where you had led the church up to that point? And if so, how did you kind of move past that? Yes and no. I mean, my defense is this, that what I did, I always did out of sincerity. And sometimes it's just, you know, I was I was doing the best I could with what I knew at the time. Sure. And it was when I finally became so deeply disillusioned with my experience of Christianity that I that I just desperately began to look for something that I did. I mean, Jesus says, seek you and you'll find, knock and it'll be open, ask and you'll receive, and that's what I did. You have no idea how many times I've rewound the tape in my mind. Mm -hmm. In fact, so many times that I know it's not healthy for me to do it. Um, and so I, I've, I've tried to go back, okay, where could I have legitimately, realistically done something different? And I end up saying, I just really don't know. Right. I, I started where I started. I was influenced by who I was influenced by. And, you know, in theory, maybe I could have done some things different. But in reality, I don't know that I could have done much different. Mm. I think part of what makes my story a little bit different and maybe interesting to some is that age at age 45, with what some people would call a lot to lose, I was willing to risk it all. Right. Right. And, and I did risk it all. I know I did and uh, didn't come through it unscathed. But I came through it with self-respect. Mm. I mean, you can't unknow what you know. Right, right. Be true to yourself. So once I began to really discover this richer, deeper, more historic, more authentic Christianity, well, then I have to do something with it. Now, I can be gentle and wise, but I still have to move my church in that direction, or I can't really look myself in the mirror. Right, now. But some pastors do. If they begin to get close to that, I think there is a defense mechanism where they just pretend they didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I couldn't do that because I was just too curious. I just really wanted, wanted to know, okay, what is what is this really all about? Right. Yeah. And we, I think all, the, all of us who have been pastors have experienced that. Um, you can't unknow what you now know. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I know Brad and I had conversations in our time in ministry, full-time ministry. We were like, don't you just wish you could go back to the way things were so it was a lot easier? <laughs> and on the one hand, it's like, yeah, that'd be great. The other I hand, it's like, no, I can't, I can't do it. Blue pill, red pill, all <laughs> Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, I wish I could take the other pill now. <laughs> That's the way it is. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of uh, taking a risk and talking about those things, um, so I've listened to probably 90% of your sermons the past couple of years, and I've noticed that you're not afraid to take on social and even political issues in light of how we follow Jesus. How do we talk about political policy without resorting to 
the usual partisan debates and divides. And then if we don't want to legislate Christianity, how do we use Christ's teachings to argue against banning refugees or things like that? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. Those Couple are two questions. questions. Uh, all right. First— you let Jesus do all the heavy lifting. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, you just keep referencing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus was not apolitical. Right. Jesus was intensely political, but in a way that most of us don't fully understand or comprehend. Right. Right. Uh, now, what happened in our church was when I began to pull away from lockstep endorsement of the religious right, people that are formed in you know, in dualism, just become reactionary and think, oh, he must be a Democrat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say to me, well, you're, you're just becoming liberal. I say, brother, I'm a revolutionary Christian. You yeah. cannot spot me on that left-right graph. I just don't fit right. on that. At one point, I did preach for six months. This was maybe, I think, 2006, maybe. Uh, I preached for six months through the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, so that's going very slow. I mean, that's <laughs> really slow. Nearly every Sunday, someone would come up to me and say, are you saying, and then they would express their fear. <laughs> and I would say, I'm really doing my best to say very, very little. What do you think Jesus is saying here? See, I understand that they're coming up against their cognitive dissonance. Yeah, sure. And one of the ways to deal with it is, well, I can handle it if my pastor turns liberal, but I can't handle it if Jesus is actually calling us to nonviolence. <laughs> right, right. So they have to cast it in a different way. Okay, so then we get to the, the thing about public policy. The church entered into this disaster about 17 centuries ago mm -hmm. when we arrived with a Christian emperor and thus a Christian empire. Now, that was a mistake. I think it was an inevitable mistake. I'm not interested in casting stones at them. Sure, I, sure. And honestly, I don't know how they could have avoided that. I think it's an unavoidable mistake, but now we learn from it. And so now here we are post-Christendom, and we should learn our lesson by now, that our task is not to change the world directly, which should come as something of a relief. Because, you know, change the world, that sounds hard. The task of the church is not to directly change the world, but to be that part of the world already transformed by Christ. We simply, within our own community, embody this and live this out. Now, what is our engagement with the political process? I think it's mostly as prophetic witness. Hmm. We're not trying to grasp Caesar's sword to enforce our version of Christian morality upon the wider society. Nevertheless, we can speak prophetically to Caesar and say, uh, in the light of Christ, this is what is justice. This is what is mercy. This is what we're called to. But, yeah, I know it is tricky. Yeah. Uh, yep. um, and, and, and sometimes I could be accused, and maybe even guilty, of cherry-picking my issues, where it sounds like on the one— like sometimes I'm saying, okay, let's not try to grasp for Caesar's sword and enforce this particular policy. At other times, I'm— vehemently, you know, speaking out against something that I see as injustice. Yeah. I get that. And I, political theology is really tricky. Yeah, and right. I'm still working on it. I'm, I'm probably most influenced by Stanley Hirewas. So mm -hmm. that if, if our listeners are familiar mm -hmm. with where he's coming from, that's basically where I'm coming from. Understanding that most of my audience has have been some version of white evangelical 
I think it's best for me to call them to step away and seek to be less directly engaged in trying to seize political power. Right, yeah. But when I start thinking about minorities who, who have suffered, whatever, centuries of injustice, then I'm quite, not quite as comfortable with that. So it kind of depends on who my audience is. Huh. And so I'm not 100% consistent. At least I acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, but, but most of the time in my writing, in my preaching, I mean, I have a fairly clear idea of who I'm speaking to. And I'm speaking to people who, in one way or another, have mostly inherited privilege. And now I think they need to be trying to find the road of compassion, humility, and less ardent zeal that if we only had the sword of Caesar, we could, you know, set the world right. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) That was really good. This is is a free podcast. (laughs) So I I have a—I'm trying to figure out—I feel like— the evangelical church and how they've bowed to Trump to me seems like the last gasp of a dying animal sort of trying to hold yeah, on to I, its power. Do you, do you think the evangelical institutional church is dying? I sort of hope so. <laughs> I hope it's the last gasp of a dying animal and not the first shrieks of a monster that's being born. Mm. I will say that I am more disheartened by what I have seen transpire over the past year or two uh, vis-a-vis evangelical Christians and the support of Donald Trump than anything in my life. I mean, I, I found it truly disheartening and yeah. alarming. Yep. And I lived through the, the whole rise of the religious right. I mean, I was there. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I know this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when the moral majority mm-hmm. and the uh, what was what was the the one that came via. CBN 700 Club, the uh, Christian Coalition. Oh, That's right. It. Yeah. So I, I saw the, the birth and rise of Moral Majority Christian Coalition and just all of these other aspects of religious right. And I know what it was like in the early 80s, and I know what their vision was. And I can tell you that Donald Trump is the embodiment of what they were speaking against. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now we have this eruption of the real that. As we stand back and look at the whole trajectory over the past 30 years, we say, oh, I get it. It never was about family values. (laughs) It never was about all of those things that we said it's about. It was about one thing and one thing only, and that is access to power. Yep. Yep. And and I see in general, uh, uh, certainly the, the evangelical celebrity culture. But maybe even so, maybe even so, the whole movement selling their soul cheap, not even for real power, but just almost for just, you know, kind of, I don't know, symbolic access to power, you know, a little 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 picture in the White House or something. And and that's enough to sell your soul for. I know I'm speaking quite bluntly here, but it's how I feel about it. I'm grieved now for the for the uh, garden variety. You know, workaday world evangelical. I have I have a a good deal of sympathy. What happened to them is they were simply handed a series of teachings and systems that they just couldn't extricate themselves from. They were told this that only one issue ultimately matters, and that is the abortion issue. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're told two things. One thing: you have to vote 
you have to vote. That's your civic duty, and people have died for your right to vote and all these emotive arguments. And you can never vote for a Democrat. Yep. Well, yep. So when the day's done, they can try to find some way around it, but in the end, they're going to be on the Trump train. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I would feel better, though, if as I looked at that community, I saw them sort of on the Trump train forlornly saying, you know, uh, it, it's sad that we had to go this way, but we, could, we couldn't find any other way. And yet that isn't what I see. I see today ardent zeal that is tending towards nationalism and militarism with undertones of racism, and this deeply disturbs me. I can't help, and I'm not saying it's the same thing, and I think I think there are some some breaks and safeguards that I trust and pray and believe will prevent it from being so, but I can't help but see the parallels between what we're seeing now and the German Christian movement of the 1930s, yep. which in the name of nationalism vociferously supported the rise of the Nazi party and Adolf Hitler. And again, that's I know that's very polemic to say it like that. I don't quite mean it that way. But I do think we have need for people like Karl Barth and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and a Barman yeah. Declaration. And at the heart of the Barman Declaration, primarily penned by Karl Barth, was the idea that God cannot serve some other interest. He cannot serve the interest of state. God can only rule. I think what we're discovering right now is the utter failure of the evangelical church world to perceive the kingdom of God. And because it's because they don't see the kingdom of God as an actual present reality, they end up putting their faith for the possibility of any kind of positive change into existing political parties or one particular political party. And thus you have evangelical Christians becoming the de facto religious wing of the Republican Party, which makes them a tool to one and an enemy to the other and prophetic to neither. Ooh, boy, well. that, was, uh, that was awesome. <laughs> do you see hope for the repentance and recovery of the evangelical church, or do you see the future of the church being something entirely different that's born out of the chaos? And if so, what does that look like? I'm trying. I'm, I'm thinking here. Should I just say the nice thing that I, or should I say what I think? Oh, you say what you think. I really don't see much hope hmm. now, be, because the evangelical church is loosely defined. Right. Sure. And interestingly, by the way, let me just. This is a bit of an aside, but let me go there for a moment. My roots: Jesus movement, charismatic movement. We never called ourselves evangelicals. Mm-hmm. We were. We were charismatics. We were Jesus people. And we never saw ourselves as evangelical until the culture wars. Hmm. And the culture wars uh, sort of defined everybody of any version of conservative Christianity as an evangelical. Uh, that mo- but, of course, that movement is not a denomination. It, it entails denominations. Sure. Right. But it's this broad movement, so it's a little bit hard to get around what it is. But I don't see it really recovering from this. I see most people, you know, I don't know what, I don't know where to draw the line. Let's say, I don't know, let's say 40 and above kind of sticking to this to the bitter end. I think their children are going to rethink things. Now, rethinking things may be, I'm I'm rethinking and I think Christianity is not for me. That's going to be part of it. But, you know, we have had it word of life and not a little bit. We've had it significantly. People leave our church. Let's say they're my age, people that I've known for you know a long time, 
and their adult children stay and stay sort of defiantly like mom and dad, you can do what you want, but we think you're crazy. (laughs) Uh, We're staying here. And, and I, I don't know how many, you know, people in their twenties now, maybe going into their thirties, but mostly in their twenties in our church have come up to me or sent me an email, communicated to me one way or another and said, if you hadn't made this transition, I don't think I'd be a Christian today. Hmm. I think what you did and what what we've done here at Word of Life uh, saved Christianity for me. Now, to what extent that's going to happen, though, I don't know. I I think I think the the big evangelical thing, you know, all the the big, the big. I think that's probably in its last generation of of flourishing. I think we're going to see it um, reap what it sowed. Sow to the wind, reap the whirlwind, mm-hmm. become almost completely out of the question for a younger generation. So I, I don't think it survives. I, I think it survives about as well as the Christian movement did, and it didn't survive very well. Yeah, I, this is going to sound really lame, but you tweeted something today. Um, <laughs> it's uh, been known to happen. Big yeah. fan of the tweets. <laughs> Big, Big fan, fan of the tweets. Yes. If you're not yeah. following Brian on Twitter, you need to be doing that immediately. Yes. Um, you, you tweeted about the. You said post-Nicene theology made the church compatible with war. Post-Christendom theology needs to once again make the church incompatible with war. And I know your book, A Farewell to Mars, which was just amazing yeah. um, when I read that a few years ago, is basically your journey towards peacemaking um, and becoming, right. becoming that kind of person. Can you just talk just a, for a brief minute about your journey towards that and kind of what you struggled with giving up along the way and what that was like for you? In contending that the waging of war is incompatible with following Jesus, I do so as one who for decades was completely at home with violence. Right. I had a romantic notion about, you know, cowboy justice. And I supported virtually, if not literally, all of America's military ventures overseas and all of that sort of thing. I had a mystical experience. And here's when you relate a mystical experience. Now, this was my Damascus Road moment. You know, Paul re- reverts to that story repeatedly. And all Paul can do is testify to it. He can't prove it, and nobody can disprove it. It's simply you bear witness to it, and people make up their mind. In about 2004 or five, I don't remember the exact time, I was in prayer. And as I was in prayer, an incident that had happened way back in 1991 that I had, I promise you, I had not thought about in all of that time. Mm-hmm. It was the run-up to the, the first Gulf War. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of talk about it and anticipation. And I got home that evening and everybody knew that, all right, we're going to we're going to launch the attack upon Baghdad. And and if people remember, if they're old enough, this is this is really what made CNN. It's yep. what made yeah. famous. And it's really what yep. launched CNN into the stratosphere of cable news. And we Perry and I invited some people over and we ordered pizza and we watched it. Yep, yep. I remember it. I, I want to say I, I watched it as if it was like the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, America's pastor had prayed with America's president and assured us that God was on our side. And we had all of these smart bombs and we watched a war live on TV and America won and I was entertained. And I didn't think anything about that for nearly 15 years until that day in prayer when that whole incident was replayed in my mind. And I sense the Spirit of God say, that was your worst sin. And 
what what happened to the Apostle Paul on the D- Damascus Road happened to me. I was just devastated by it. I was completely devastated by that. And that put me on a journey of rethinking violence in the light of Christ. And so I, I regularly say to people, look, I'm not a pacifist. Pacifism is a ethical position in regard to violence that one can adopt apart from Jesus Christ. Some do, and I admire them, but that's not me. What I am is a Christian. I've had to rethink my love, my support, my faith in violence in the light of Christ, and I have come away with the conclusion that the waging of war is incompatible with following Christ. But I did so knowing it was a risky move. It wasn't natural for me. I mean, I need to, I look, I need to embrace the nonviolent message of Jesus because by nature I'm a violent person. You know, I, none of this comes easy for me. I'm not very good at loving enemies and I don't trust myself to be nonviolent, at least though I'm honest enough to know that this is what Jesus calls me to. And so I, I continue to ask Jesus to help me arrive there. You know, you write a book and then you give it to a publisher and then you wait forever. <laughs> and like, like, like typically a year would be quick and a year and a half would be more in line with what you probably ought to expect. Right. Yeah. And so I have a book coming out in August that I've finished called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God, which is, you know, if you know Jonathan Edwards' sermon, you see what I'm yeah. doing. There. But really it's my way of responding to the various pushback that I've received. You know, what about the fear of God? What about the wrath of God? What about Old Testament violence? What about the cross? Wasn't that God employing violence toward his own redemptive end? What about hell? What about the book of Revelation? Isn't Jesus going to come back and kill like 200 million people or something? (laughs) This is is my response to all of that. And and what I'm doing is I say, look, I'm not being, I'm not just, I'm not a Marcionite. I'm not throwing away the Bible. I'm not just imagining God as I would like him to be. I'm dealing faithfully with the scriptures in the light of Christ and there you go. But since I'm always writing, I'm just now, I mean, if you could see where I am, I'm surrounded by books and I'm getting ready to embark upon a new writing project. I, when we say working title, we say that because publishers get the final, get the final say over, <laughs> sure. over, over titles, so they may not like it. But my working title is, is uh, Postcards from Babylon. Oh, holy crap. And, yes. And I, I really probably won't give me the subtitle, but my subtitle would be Making Christianity Countercultural Again. And so oh, man. That, that thought today that I tweeted this morning. Yeah, I saw that. I was working on, on that. So that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm heading down that road again. That, and I would, I, I would like the epigram to be that verse from uh, the end of First Peter, she who is in Babylon greets you. And what we have to do is we have to help conservative Christians in America understand that America is a kind of biblical Babylon, not a kind of biblical Israel. Yep. That confusion has probably led to as much trouble as anything I can think. That we think we're a kind of Israel when, in fact, we're a kind of Babylon. Ooh, and yeah. I, remember, I remember specifically thinking that as I grew up, like that was sort sure. of the the implication was that we were the new Israel. And man, it's I'm really glad I've discarded that at this point in my life. But boy, that caused a lot of yeah. of trouble along the way for sure. Well, I think empire is 
the single greatest challenge to the church and the kingdom of Christ, kingdom of Christ in our whole history. And that may sound like over the top. That may sound hyperbole, but no, I really believe that. Yeah. And let me give my simple little definition of what I mean by impact. Because some people say, "What do you, you know? What is that?" You throw that word around. Well, I can be fairly precise. Empires are rich, powerful nations that believe they have a divine right to rule other nations and a manifest destiny to shape history according to their agenda. God appears to have uh, a love for nations in their diversity, their culture, their languages, etc. What God has a problem with is empires. Once again, rich, powerful nations who believe they have a divine right to rule other nations and a manifest destiny to shape history according to their own agenda. The reason God is opposed to empire is because what empires claim for themselves is precisely the thing that God has promised to his son. It's Jesus who has a divine right to rule the nations and a manifest destiny to shape history according to his agenda. And so empires become a rival to Jesus Christ. And then what happens is we end up making the clever move of trying to conflate the two so that we don't have the cognitive dissonance that I am actually working against the kingdom of Christ. So we pretend that our empire and the kingdom of Christ are nearly synonymous. And part of the task of the prophet is to pry those apart, but that's a dangerous task because people initially react sometimes quite angrily. Or they call you a heretic all day on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that uh, that message wouldn't be very popular at a joint session of Congress, I'm guessing. So I'm guessing you're not going to be getting that invite anytime soon. I don't think so. No. <laughs> so we're uh, in a time of great uncertainty. How do we maintain hope, and how do we give hope to those who are in the marginalized communities being directly threatened by the policies of the current administration? Yeah, that's this is where the church definitely needs to become a shelter from the storm. Yeah. I keep thinking of that Bob Dylan song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come in, she said. I was singing you- it as you said that, as a matter of fact. Uh, I'm trying to I'm see if I can conjure one verse here. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, let me see. I've, I've heard newborn babies wailing like a moaning dove. I've seen old men stranded, broken without love. Do I understand your question, man? Is it hopeless and forlorn? Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Yeah, and so I think song. our churches need to become something like that. Yeah. A man in our community, his wife's in our church, not his wife, his sister's in our church. I know him. He, he doesn't, he may visit our church, but as far as I know, no, I know he's not in our church, but he's been in our community for a long, long time, runs a Mexican restaurant. Uh, was picking up his kid last Thursday at school was arrested and deported. Gosh. I'm just heartbroken over this. But your question was, what do we do to maintain hope? I think, you know, we're coming into the season of Lent. Mm -hmm. Let's go through that. Let's lament. Let's mourn. Let's repent. Let's feel the weight of the cross. But let's make maybe a more concerted effort than we've ever done before once we arrive to Easter to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and the principalities and powers have been shamed by that. Yeah. That that there, there's almost this sense of, of in Christ we can gloat over the principalities and powers because mm. all they have are the weapons of death. That's all they have. All they can do is kill you. That's all they yeah. can do. 
but, but, but we worship the God who raises the dead. And I think we need to become maybe a bit more joyful in that. And then create, in fact, communities, churches, that are these welcome havens uh, for people that, that feel threatened and oppressed and where we're formed in love and emphasizing that sort of lifestyle. I don't know. I guess those, we're always supposed to be doing that, but now it seems to take on a new urgency. And for those that can make the distinction between the empire and the kingdom of Christ, well, then there is a certain thrill of actually embodying the difference so that so that as my would-be subtitle of my would-be book, <laughs> can we make Christianity countercultural again? I'll give a plug for a book. Man, it's one of the best books I've read in a long time. Alan Crider's The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, subtitled The Improbable Rise of the Church in the Roman Empire, or The, the Improbable Rise of Christianity in the Roman Empire. Alan Crider. He's probably 80. I've met him at a conference one time. Thoroughly lovely man. Uh, an absolute top-notch patristic scholar. He's the guy that if you just if you said, well, I, what was the early church like? I mean, if I show up in the year 250 in Alexandria and I go try to find the Christians, what do I find and what does it look like? What do they do? He's the guy that can answer that question. And, you know, the church was growing in the first 300 years at a rate of 40% per decade at a time when it was difficult to be a Christian, demanding mm-hmm. to be a Christian. One of the things I found out in this book, I just found it's this, this, this stunning. They're growing at 40% per decade so that by the time you arrive at, on the cusp of Constantine, fully 10% of the empire is Christian, six, out, 6 million estimated out of 60 million. But they had no emphasis on evangelism. They had no missions program. What we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, they didn't. They just used that to teach the Trinity. You know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe whatever I commanded you, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They thought that had been fulfilled by the 12 apostles in the first generation. Huh. They had no emphasis on missions. They had no emphasis on evangelism. If if some lady said to her bishop, I think I'm going to talk to my neighbor about Jesus, most likely the bishop would say, no, don't do that. You'll, you'll mess it up. Don't do that. <laughs> their, their sole form of evangelism was the lives they lived, and people were attracted to the radical otherness. They knew it was risky to be a Christian, so even to, to express interest in becoming a Christian was a bit crazy. But they saw this community of peace and love, and they were drawn to it. Could we begin to, instead of trying to compete and market and, and satisfy the lust of consumers and you know slap a Jesus fish on it and pretend that it's Christianity, could we instead begin to emphasize actually living countercultural lives that are true to Christ— and become winsome, become beautiful, become something that is genuinely other, and people might say, you know, I think I like that. I don't know. I'm going to (laughs) cry. So uh, one more question, one more serious question here. Uh, Most churches that, you know, we've been part of, 
have sort of emphasized either the interior life of the Christian or they've, sort, or they've emphasized a kingdom posture towards the world, particularly as it relates to social justice issues and that kind of thing. And the struggle seems to be in trying to emphasize both of those things equally. Can you talk a little bit about how that, how you, how you do that and if you've seen that struggle in your own church and how you've dealt with that? I don't think the two can ever, ever, ever be separated. One way of talking about this is it's simply the two great commands. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is worship. Right. And love neighbor as yourself. This is justice. And so you, you see in the history of Israel, you have the two great sins. And there's really only two sins, idolatry and injustice. I mean, that's, that's the only two sins there are. Wrong worship and wrong treatment of neighbor. Right. So the great commandment is love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the biblical test case for love of God is love of neighbor. And if you want to push it to the farthest end, the biblical test case for love of neighbor is love of enemy. But what happens is you've had generations of conservative churches in America that have been either disinterested in social justice issues or, worse yet, on the wrong side of social justice issues. I mean, you know, let's face it. Right. I mean— you know, in the Jim Crow era and all of that, the civil rights movement, I mean, where was the evangelical church? Either ignoring it or actively opposing it. So you have a younger generation that is attracted to certain ideals of social justice. Okay, that's what we want to do. Let's go do that. But I don't think you can start there. I think it's all part of worship. I don't think you can sustain for a lifetime an emphasis on social justice or right treatment of neighbor without... Uh, the formation that comes from the right kind of worship. Hmm. So in our church, we really make an emphasis on not separating the two, that they go together, that what we say about God in prayer and worship, this is liturgy, is forming us so that we actually become the kind of people that can, not out of a cause celeb, but out of genuine love for neighbor, work toward some kind of justice. And so the the two cannot ever be separated. And if if one is separated from the other, then you know that the other one is in fact false. So in other words, if if our worship is not tending towards us working for justice within our communities, then we know there's something wrong with our worship. It's not genuine. But I don't think we can sustain for a lifetime a work towards justice that doesn't become bitter and angry unless we are uh, engaged in proper worship. Man, that'll do it. Jeez. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we, we really, we know you, you're busy and you want to get home and all that. Can you, do you have a quick, do you have time for a quick lightning round? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, what do you do to recharge? I listen to a lot of music. I read novels. I uh, go for walks in the woods, try to get away to the mountains. And to be honest, I travel a good deal. You know, I have a church. I've been here for 35 years. I've got a good team. got a great team, actually. So I, I get lots of invitations. And I, I accept a lot of invitations because I want to go to Portugal or I want to go to <laughs> I want to go to Ireland. I want to go sure. to England, you know, and 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 our, I have three grown sons. Two of them are married. The point is I don't have any kids at home, and so my wife goes with me. And so part of how we recharge is, <laughs> is get out of Dodge for a while. Sure. Sure. <laughs> what were some of the in- most influential books you read during your transformation process? The, the Divine Conspiracy by mm-hmm. Dallas Willard. 
The Politics of Jesus by John Howard Yoder, Jesus and the Victory of God by N.T. Wright, The Prophetic Imagination by Walter Brueggemann, I Saw Satan Fall Like Lightning by Rene Girard, The Jesus Way by Eugene Peterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, the next one I'm going to mention is a very difficult book, so beware. <laughs> <laughs> the Beauty of the Infinite by David Bentley Hart. Uh, those are some of the big ones. Okay. okay. Awesome. So I have to ask, uh, I'm a huge Glenn Hansard fan. What is your, uh, your favorite Glenn Hansard song? Falling Slowly. Yeah. Or Say It To Me Now. I don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are one. you a bigger fan uh, or is your wife? No, my wife's a bigger fan. Awesome. <laughs> but we're both big fans, but we were in Ireland a year ago, and we tried so hard to, you know, I mean, Glenn Hansen wasn't doing a show. We wanted him to do a show. <laughs> <laughs> we call him up and I get him to do a show. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what are you reading right now? I'm reading The Genius of Judaism oh. by Bernard-Henri Levy. He's a French philosopher, filmmaker, who he's, he's 10 years older than me, so he's 67. He's a true child of the 60s, great thinker, public intellectual in France. It's translated into English. He really thought, I mean, he, he was your typical French atheist and thought that we had done all the work to rid the world of the specters of the gods, and then he began to be haunted. He began to doubt his doubts, <laughs> which if you're an atheist, if you're an, if you're a confirmed atheist and you begin to have doubts, we call that hauntings of faith, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the story of how he really began to re-engage with his Judaism. I've just started that book. I finished a book uh, the other day called Night Comes by Dale Allison. Hmm. He's a professor of New Testament at Princeton, I believe. And I have a friend that knows him and recommended this book to me. And it's it's on death and afterlife issues. And uh, I found it very interesting. Night Comes is Good. that book. And the one I'm reading now is The Genius of Judaism. All right. Two more. We'll get you out of here. What was the last album you listened to start to finish? Yesterday, I listened to Nevermind by Nirvana because <laughs> it would have been Kurt Cobain's 50th yeah. wow. book. And I listened to it straight through. Every song. Nice. It is hard to believe he would have been 50 years old. It really is. Man. Exactly. Uh, It has one huge Bob Dylan fan to another. I have to ask, what's your favorite Dylan song? Oh, as a huge Dylan fan, you know that's an impossible. I know. I know. I was trying to think Uh, of mine today, and I had about 10 of them. Visions of Johanna, I like an awful lot. Tangled Up in Blue is what introduced me to Dylan, so I always will have a tender spot for that. But then if I'm just going to introduce Dylan to somebody, I just say, you know, how do you get beyond the genius of once upon a time you dress so fine through the dime in your time? <laughs> right. Didn't you? Yeah. People call this to be weird doll. You're bound to fall. You know, they were all kidding you. I mean, I'm a Rolling Stone. How great is that song? It is great. I'm a, I'm a Ballad of Hollis Brown guy. Oh, I think if, yeah. I had to, if I had to pin one down, that would be my favorite. I heard him do that live. Oh. And, you know, I mean, that's rare for that yeah. to be. Right? I heard him maybe 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, do that live. Yeah, oh, That's a great song. That's a haunting song. Yes, that's it is. Song, as it builds, because it, it's filled with foreshadowing. Yeah, and if you and really... It's, it's almost more than you can bear. It is. It's a pretty <laughs> devastating story. 
Where can people find you online? BrianZahn.com is where I blog. I'm a little bit behind on doing any blogs. I'm going to have to get to that, I guess. If you just Google Brian Zahn, I'm the only one. So <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, awesome. World Life Church is you know the, the church I pastor and its website. But just Google Brian Zahn and it'll lead you to everything. Awesome. But we definitely want to try to get you back on when your book comes out in August, I think is what you said. August 15th is the yes. release date. Sweet. You're going awesome. to have you're going to have five, four pre-orders here just so. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really really appreciate it, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Bless Thanks. You guys. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Now that we puked in your seat. You can tell us what you think The five stars get red But one star is dead To us (laughs) (laughs) Polly mean Brad All right. Uh, I forgot to mention, so Lucas is here for because he is a huge Brian Zahn fan. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. That's perks, I guess. Now that, we're, now that we're two hours into the podcast, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad everybody knew that. Well, I, I like that I get a three-peat because, you know, once I was actually on the podcast, yeah. and then twice Brad was sick or out of commission, yeah. <laughs> and I show up, and I have to sit across the table from him. Yeah. Every once in a while, Brad's like, I quit. I'm done. And then we just like, all right, we'll replace you with Lucas. And then- so I'm, unlike, you know, political correspondent Brandon Andrus, <laughs> I don't have three legitimate show-ups. I just like he just kinda, of, He just kind of lounges around. I was driving up Highway 37. And, <laughs> hey, hey, it's Wednesday at 7 o'clock. I'll pop by Matt's house. It's yeah. a trap. <laughs> yep. It, it, is a, it is a complete trap. Uh, yeah, so thank We're you for... Doomed. Stop it. That's p- at Polyneme Brad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming on the show, man. Yeah, love you it. Appreciate it. Anything you no. need to plug? I don't like you either. <laughs> <laughs> Had to wait for it. <laughs> um, I have nothing to plug. Yeah, Lucas, <clears throat> Lucas, Allen's, Lucas Allen Band on iTunes. Um, I think, actually, I was looking at this yesterday. In the pub, there was a little thread about hymns. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if my album, and it's on iTunes, so yeah. if you want to hear some 12-year-old dated hymns. It's mainly, just, to, it's mainly just Chris Tomlin covers. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> my chains are gone. Yeah. So it was... Uh, I've been set free. It was... Uh, he sings them like Creed. I, I sing them horribly because we actually tracked the vocals about two weeks after I got my tonsils out. Oh, wow. But we had been working on this thing for a year and a half in my friend Brandon's like closet. This, I mean, it's high quality. but And it's very dated because we wanted to be David Crowder back then. Yeah, I know Matt did. Who didn't? Who didn't? Yeah. So, uh, Crowder he was literally the only one doing anything halfway Interesting. Original. Yeah. And interesting, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, turned into like a Texas hillbilly hip hop person. Yeah, I was like what happened? Yeah, I don't know what so happened. I guess I'm not plugging that. But if anyone's <laughs> just curious, there's yeah. one song my wife sings on it that's really good. So oh really? I own the album. It's called it's My, my Chains Are Gone. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing Grace. Yeah. I do own that album. I wonder if it's in my iTunes. I should probably dig it up and play some, play some right now. I'd it's really it's very dated. Um, so we don't. I, have l- any- I listened to a Christian song today. So when you go up to Fort Wayne, oh, apparently God. 94.7, which is Q95 in Indy, 
which is a rock station. Yeah. Fort Wayne. Uh, apparently uh, is a Christian station up in Fort Wayne. And I got in my car today, and it was playing Man. a song where the chorus was, my name is Child of the Most High King. I was like, that's, that's, that's hard to fit. It's hard to fit on a birth certificate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was it's no, a, no, it isn't. It's, gar- it's garbage. It's a complete garbage. Yeah. Oh, man, I've been forced to listen to worship music a lot lately for <laughs> reasons I won't go into on this podcast. But I think that's uh, Chome, Child of the Most High Name. <sighs> Chome. It is just it's trash. Like Comb. In it's, case you're wondering, the the Pandora station of Christian worship, worship music plays about twelve songs and on my, repeat, and my mother listens to all of them. And fun yeah. fact, they all sound the same. Mm-hmm. I was listening to uh, Jennifer Knapp on Spotify, and Jennifer Knapp is is, is actually pretty good. The, the person was like, the person was like, this this one sounds like Adele. I'm like, just fucking listen to Adele then. Like, <laughs> why like why does it have to sound like Adele? Just say, listen to Adele. Anyway, What's wrong was, with Adele? I was listening to Jennifer Knapp, and then... <laughs> Hello. Oh, my gosh. I did <laughs> not me. get a fucking story out. Um, so I was listening to Jennifer Knapp, and I'm just going to keep repeating that part. Um, keep powering hey, through. Hey, man. Hey, who, who she's still trying to? to make it, so... Jennifer Knapp. Yeah. Um, and it was, her new stuff is pretty good. I mean, it, her music... It, Holds up, it's 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 decent, but then it, after Spotify plays so many songs, it starts shuffling in other mm-hmm. people. Then came Nicole Nordman. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh shit! I've I've I, so I skipped that one. Jackie Velasquez. <laughs> like, oh shit! Skip it. Like, you're out of skips. And like, all right, done. <laughs> Turn it right off. If you like music by a woman, you'll like other <laughs> music by a woman because yeah. obviously it's all the same. Yeah. Yes. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, so no five star uh, reviews. You no. should all feel terrible about your lives. And here's, for how, we, here's how we feel about it. Now you will experience <laughs> the full power of the dark side. Yeah. yeah. Uh, translation: a, You're going to hell. Give us a goddamn five star review <laughs> yeah. so we can read it. Give us a five star review. That way we'll read it on the on the dark net. Um, corrections and clarifications. Uh, Janet Murray Walker. At J. Murray Walker said, uh, her, "Why has she not changed her moniker?" I don't know. Yeah. No, wait, wait. Texas I'm Ranger. sorry. Her, her. He's at Walker J. Murray, but her Instagram is at J. Murray Walker. That's what we were supposed. Oh, to okay. Know. So go follow her on Instagram at J. Marie Walker. She like food and dogs. And she said um, she's already planning her next treat to send. So. Oh, boy! I was really hoping music to the ears would show up this week. Well, and somebody who's sending gin. gin? Uh, oh, uh, oh Nicole. Nicole. Somebody is. from yeah, Colorado, yeah. I was yeah. like, maybe she's gonna overnight it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't it show up as a wet bag of shards? <laughs> yes. Everyone knows this. But it, um, alternate hashtags. Jay Marie Walker also said, um, hashtag Michael is my spirit animal, but I pet fish, ride goats. So yeah, hashtag I make poor decisions. <laughs> <laughs> pet fish. Ride. She also said, uh, side note, Bigfoot can totally abduct people. Hashtag not a sex story. Hashtag though it could be. Hashtag people are freaky. Hashtag thrust velocity. <laughs> was that the actual hashtag? No. 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 Uh, but lots of people hit us up, including uh, Becky Seville. I don't even remember what it was because that one was We'll so get into good. it. Okay. Um, Becky Seville hit us up with not a chance of making the top twi- 10 tweets. This is in the uh, alternate hashtag section. Um, unless I flood your notifications or use the hashtag thrust velocity. <laughs> hashtag what is IPP without butt smuggling? <laughs> 
And then Kristen Oz said uh, a couple extra alternate alternate hashtags: hashtag Pizza Bucket and hashtag <laughs> Thrust Velocity. So a lot of thrust velocity. It was, yeah, <laughs> it I feel been, like we probably missed the boat on that one. Yeah. Um, so honorable. Can I do honorable mentions? Or are we not doing honorable mentions? You tell me. We have three honorable mentions before we get into the top ten. Oh my god. Yeah, whatever. Then man. you might as well just do what you normally do. With it and read <laughs> like right, fifteen. Then I won't 20 do the honorable mentions. Are any of them Ian? None of them are Ian. Okay, Ian's always a good, probably it. number one. So sorry, sorry, honorable mentions. Just read the damn thing. Just read them. It's the funny. honorable no, mentions. Yeah, because you're gonna sit and simper okay. all no, fucking that's night fine. if we don't do it. Uh, at Callie Search seventy nine said, "You better have at Andy Redwine back. Her episode is freaking awesome. Yeah, I and agree, hashtag yeah. Paradise Recovered is fan effing tastic. I was wonderful. I was literally in tears listening to that episode, laughing at stuff. Yeah, I mean that was that was a. She was she fit episode. in seamlessly. Yeah, I was she talking did. to her the next yeah. day. I was like, she was like, it was a lot of fun. I was like, you fit in. She'll be back like a glove. Yeah, like, she'll be back just for no reason. Like yeah. we'll just have her. Back. I feel like we had even better conversation. Tell her what. Brad's sick. Tell her Brad's sick. Brad's pissed and he's quitting. You want to come up? He'll probably be here. We need, a, we need a replacement. There's a 50-50 shot. He'll be here. Um. <laughs> I think we had even better. She told a story after we were off. That oh, was man. so freaking yeah. awesome. Yeah. About her meeting a celebrity. It was just yeah. oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, the Corn Goblin at the <laughs> Iowa Hoosier Still said, one of my favorite. Lou the Bear. It is time for Lion Preserves Jam. And he actually sent us a picture of Lion Preserves Jam. It's a brand. He said, <laughs> It's symbolicious and the official hashtag hashtag tastes, tastes like, like Mufasa. Mufasa. That's uh, right. See, that's a pretty good one, man. It is that good, is man. Yeah. Thrust velocity, much more on brand. I remember for us, laughing I pretty hard when I heard that again because there's about a 99 percent chance something tonight's going to be dick related. Yeah. So our uh, hashtag and uh, the final honorable mention is August Blondal with uh, interesting things always happen immediately after uttering this is our best idea. We've ever had <laughs> hashtag bucket of food. What was? Oh, that was about bucket the bucket, food. the bucket yeah. of food. He didn't say the hashtag bucket of food. Later, he did. So, did we uh, get any one. hats? Is anybody sending us a Jim Baker apocalypse bucket? Nobody yet. I mean, yes, the bucket. Or we're still the out, bucket. I'm. I'm. Ready I, want for him, the, I was gonna say. I'm just gonna give Michael a pizza bucket and a spoon. It's and just a four-gallon pizza just bucket. Go to I work. will. I will do it. Just, bring it. Just that could be plastic pools, man. Yeah, I could. I could eat four gallons of pizza a day. <laughs> For sure, his his CPAP just quits at the end of the night. It's like I'm done. It's over. Um, Not even I can keep your fat ass alive. That's what it tells top, me. Top ten uh, <laughs> tweets from Twitter. Um, number ten at Preachers Forum said uh, at Pastors Podcast started listening to the podcast, realizing there are others out there with similar stories to mine. Spent twelve years in ministry as a youth minister, Ooh, yeah, elder, man. and senior pastor. Now, not so much resonates with me. Nice. So, Good to have you aboard. aboard. Thanks, buddy. Um, number nine, birthday stranger at B Day Stranger said, Serendipitous to find your podcast. Um, was just looking for a new one. As a Buddhist priest, I look forward to your perspective. Wow. So, and th- they hit us up later and, and had to listen to a, at least two of our episodes. Nice. It so, might not be terrible to have a Buddhist priest on. I would like to do interview. that, maybe. Yeah. 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 One day. Um, at M.E. Steel Pierce, at Steel Pierce, um, said... Sounds like an action figure. <laughs> Doesn't it? Like somebody it's in an like action Max movie? Power. Yeah. It is not an action figure. Um, like a James Bond knockoff. Steel Pierce in <laughs> Ride the Bullet. <laughs> said, at Pastor Alice, discovered Fierce via Pastor's Podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, just started reading it and loving it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then... Uh, 
at Kirst, um, at KJ Painter, Kirst, Kirsten, I would guess. Okay. Said, move on. Um, no, no, not that story. Crying face. Um, this song is great, but all I can think of is Nick Cage in City of Angels at Pastor's Podcast. <laughs> so, um, and then number six. That's the one the Goo Goo Dolls did the entire soundtrack for, basically. Yeah. yeah. I went out and bought that soundtrack just for that Goo Goo Dolls. Was it Iris? Was that, or was it Name? I don't want to run Everything Those are actually the exact words. Fine. Well done. Everything's made to be broken. <laughs> I just want you to know who I am. Ding 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 Number six. Run that bass string, baby. Every Bible college dick with a guitar, yeah. man. Everybody knew how to play Iris. Yeah, man. Get the ladies. <laughs> yeah. Check this out. Then immediately goes to Jesus Freak DC Talk. <laughs> Song's called Water. <laughs> it's Flood. G C D G C D E minor. <clears throat> Gotta add the minor in there for a little flair. <laughs> Number six, in response to the milk and pizza, sipping sisters pod at three sipping sisters. I assume it's a podcast. Said um, <laughs> that's a very good assumption. Completely unreasonable. It's or called Ranch whales, People. Either one. Said. Uh, Completely unreasonable. It's called ranch. So instead of milk, you should dip your pizza in ranch. Absolutely. Now that I can get on board with. I was okay with it. I've tried that before. It's oh, okay. I, I, I won't dip just the pizza, but the crust. The crust. I'll yeah, I can the do crust that. all yeah. day long in ranch. Yeah. They also said that hashtag buttweed should probably be a hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number five, Savannah Marie Heiss at Savannah Heiss um, said, super excited to get this book about powerful women in the Bible mm-hmm. in the mail today. My husband is the best at Cole Heiss underscore Heiss. Um, and, and then tied with number five is Kim Converse because she had a picture of the same book. Uh, it's Fierce by... Um, yeah, we've had a lot of people buy mm-hmm. that book. Uh, that another recommendation for uh, good books written by females, uh, uh, Jesus Feminist yes. by Sarah Bessie. Sarah yeah. Bessie. Mm-hmm. I've got it. Very good. I read it. It's good. Nice. Well worth your time. Um, Kim Converse said, this is happening, Chapman's Brewing, uh, Valiant, Stout, and Fierce by Pastor Alice. Number four, at NY Pastors, pretty sure Matt and Brad stop breathing from laughter more than Michael does in his sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag more tongue, more power. Love you guys. Uh, Number three, at Stephen the Bane, um, wrote... At Pastor's Podcast, or like George W. Bush, hashtag no exit strategy. (laughs) (laughs) He also said, uh, does your ghost story meet the requirements of the ghost axiom? (laughs) Soon to find out. Yeah. Coming this October. Coming October 31st. It actually does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Number two, Ian Irving at Batman Villain. Oh, not number one. Drop down in the charts. Damn. Dang. Um, You better better bring the heat this week there, Ian. (laughs) At Pastor's Podcast. He's, he's, he's over there going, challenge accepted. I like how the week of St. Patrick's Day, he just fucks off to number two. <laughs> he's just, it's St. Patrick's Day. He's, he's done. Well, he's drunk as shit. I was going to say, he's probably not sober. Yeah. He said, uh, so you're now censoring your followers on Twitter. Feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we have become a cult. This is what I was born for. <laughs> so, My God, if he doesn't come for the 100th, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. I'm not going to no. lie. And then coming in at number one. This isn't a funny one. We're going to show that number one can also be like a meaningful one. This we, is wait. We do that every once in a while. <laughs> okay. 
Because uh, when I think meaningful, I think inglorious bastards. <laughs> well, a podcast know. that spent 45 minutes talking about dicks. Yeah, so. yeah. Number one. And licking your phone. Is at Andy Redwine. Oh, okay. She well. said, was telling my husband that I feel like I found my people on at Pastors Podcast. Thanks for being here and loving kids. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. Awesome. So, um, yeah. So she is in the pub. Yep. And she is loving it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So thanks, Andy. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yep. And thank yes. you for the kind words. You'll be back. Yeah, it was good. All right. It's closing time. Read us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Write a <laughs> review on iTunes. Write all your words. <laughs> Quit being a jerk. Um, check us out on our website and gloriouspastards.com. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash pastors podcast, where you too can get in the pub. Ten cents get you nuts. Indeed. No, ten cents get you nothing. <laughs> I mean, if you would like to donate ten cents, come to Matt's house for the nuts. Um, Brad, yeah. hashtags, what do you got? Uh, hashtag penis festival. Hashtag penis nose. There's a, there's a, there's a theme here. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag giant wooden cannon. <laughs> that was mine. Hashtag circumcised cannon. Hashtag swipe right or burn in hell. Hashtag this one's this one's kind of kind of uh, around the corner that you may not even remember this. Reach hashtag around. via Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag like a shock collar. <laughs> <laughs> This is another one you may not have heard. I, th- Michael said this. Hashtag a couple of nodes on it. <laughs> and then hashtag pet fish ride goats. I don't even know what that one was from. That was from uh, Texas Rangers. Texas Ranger. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, I've got uh, hashtag Mississippi, Mississippi Brewing from New York. Uh, what does that even say? Oh, Mississippi, Mississippi side sip. <laughs> Tennessee, uh, Tennessee, Tennessee side sip. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> oh, fuck that one. All right. Never <laughs> Screw it. Uh, hashtag check yourself, spelled C Z E C H. Yeah. Uh, hashtag long Tim. <laughs> Love long Tim. <laughs> that, that might be my favorite. <laughs> long Tim. It's Brad's college nickname. <laughs> Hashtag. (laughs) I just keep thinking of the two live crews. He love you long, Tim. Oh, anyway. Uh, Hashtag a baloo is a bear. (laughs) Spelled B A L L E W. Nice. Uh, Hashtag my trip to Japan was was enjoyable. It's low-hanging fruit, but it's so good. It's <laughs> oh, literally um, all we do. Yeah, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> that should just be the theme of the podcast. This podcast is low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Changing the name to Pastor's Podcast, low-hanging <laughs> yes. fruit. Uh, hashtag penis festival. Hashtag giant wooden cannon. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I've got that one, too. That might be the winner. Hashtag Lord Helmet. <laughs> hashtag Michael the Living Swipe Right. <laughs> <laughs> Preach. Uh, <laughs> hashtag butthole, lick, butthole tickling bandits. Uh, hashtag caught brown handed. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Lucas. Gross. 
I wanted sunglasses so I could do it more like I was on CSI. Yeah, of course. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag swipe right with your tongue. <laughs> Hashtag mainly Chris Tomlin covers. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, hashtag no uh, hashtag Lucas's chains are gone. <laughs> <laughs> He's been set free. And then uh, hashtag not even I can keep your fat ass alive. <laughs> <laughs> I had a <laughs> unique ones here. Uh, hashtag crank that hog. <laughs> This is at least I'm not like at myself with my by myself working with my earbuds in like oh. cry laughing. Oh my god! At you guys, uh, uh, shock the bejesus out of you. And Matt's house for the nuts. Oh shoot! I, all mine have already been said. So giant wood wooden giant wooden cannon. Mm. Brown-handed, and then cranking their hog. <laughs> God, can we do crank that hog? It's how it's how you start a Harley, right? It's, it's you just, like stomp oh, down. Oh All it does is tag you to a bunch of like Harley discussions. <laughs> oh man! Loud pipe, oh. save lives, crank that hog. Oh. Woo! Yeah. <clears throat> what are we gonna do? Oh man! Giant wooden cannon. Three of us had. I don't know if you had it. I didn't. Okay. Long Tim's pretty good. Too. Long Tim's pretty good. <laughs> love you, love you, Long Tim. <laughs> that is from something. I don't know what it's from. It's from the Two Life Crew. Yeah, is it? Me love you, Long Time. No, no, no. The, long there, Tim. There is, long Tim specifically <laughs> because is from you something. have no grasp of the English language. <laughs> no, That's where it came from. No, it's it's literally from something. Uh, love you long. He's googling. Care about you long? What you Google there, buddy? I was say you're about to hear some things on this. Uh... <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's from the office. Yeah, is it? Yeah, really? Oh, um, okay. Hold on. The British or American? Oh, obviously American. No, that's not the. Don't real say one. obviously. Is it the British? Love you long Tim. Long time. Me love you a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, I'm fine with Long Tim or Crank That Hog. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do Crank That Hog, man. Okay. That's, <laughs> All right. that's, that's the winner, man. So if I you can't. listen to this podcast in its entirety, um, hit us up on social media. <laughs> uh, on Twitter, at Pastards Podcast. I'm sorry, Brian's on. <laughs> You're my hero. Oh, I'm at Polly named Brad. <laughs> Polly named Matt. <laughs> at Polly named Lucas is what I almost said. Uh, Luke Allen Yo. And at MJ Basinger. You can also find me on LinkedIn too. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep using that joke till somebody actually adds me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, Facebook.com <laughs> slash pastors to podcast. Uh, what are you even laughing at? Crank that off. <laughs>
Hit us, uh, so, so the social media you want to hit us up with <laughs> is the hashtag crank that hog. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, oh, that's it. I didn't think I could laugh at your heart oh, last week. Man. <laughs> Does anybody want to uh, review the song we're about to hear? Uh, yeah, it's really a good. Once in a lifetime Here's Matt. This is for... <laughs> it sounds like they got their... Black They're getting their money. Well, this, uh, is for, uh, this is for St. Patty's Day. It's a yeah, good St. Patrick's Day song. Yeah, I've been having the uh, the uh, J.M. Casey up in his family for uh, bangers and mash. Okay, this mm. is uh, the Dropkick Murky Murkies. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Dropkick Murphy's cover band called the Dropkick Murkies. <laughs> They're okay, just a little murky. Um, it's fine. You can totally drink it. Um, it's called "I'm Shipping Up to Boston." Yeah, it's just Irish punk. Is yeah, what it is. It's, it's yeah, it's great, Irish punk. It's a great song. So mm-hmm. this is this goes out to Ian Irving. I wonder. It's if very authentic. <laughs> It is. I wonder if he's heard them. I doubt it. I'm sure he's heard of the Dropkick Murphys. I wonder if he's heard of U2. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do they have U2 in, 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 uh, in Ireland? Ireland? Yeah. I don't think so. Probably just have Bono. All his solo work. Man, why aren't we playing Glenn Hansard? Damn it. Uh, this is a little more festive than Glenn Hansard. <laughs> We talk about how you broke up with a girl. <laughs> are we gonna play this whole thing, or are we just gonna fade out? At least got to get to when they start singing, man. All right. He lost his leg, guys. So these guys are fun, but man, you can't listen to more than about two <laughs> yeah. songs. It's kind of like ACDC like in that AC/DC, regard. Yeah. Hey, play that one song. Near, 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 near. Yeah. So. Thanks for being on the show with us. Yeah, man. yeah. Appreciate Thanks it. for having me. Anytime. Anytime Brad's fake sick, I'll be. <laughs> I think he was legitimately had a headache. I did. So, but you're always like my good pleasure. Too. My pleasure. My son uh, works at Chick-fil-A now, so I'm, nice. we're learning my pleasure together. Uh, we're learning to say my pleasure. <laughs> Glad we cleared that up. <laughs> Hi, CPS. And now from Drunken Murphy's. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>